Growing up, for those of you that don't know, the youngest of seven, chosen one, um, the last Jedi of my siblings. And as I grew up, um, one of my, I'll never forget my first day of school. Um, my mom took me, hey mom, uh, took me to, to school and it was kindergarten. So of course she's, she's walking me to the classroom and I see the door open and I'm nervous. And just before I'm about to walk in, she's, she's walking me on. She's like, hold on one second. She pulls me to the side and my mom gets down on her knee and just looks me in the eye. And she just said, I just want you to know you have a great day. You're going to be amazing. School is going to be fun. But if you act a fool in this classroom, I will come up here and I will whoop you. And then I will tell your dad. And then when he gets home, you might get a second whooping. Anything you do in this classroom, you do it to honor and respect your teacher. She is like me. So just like you do it at home, you're going to do it up here in this classroom. Is that clear? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, I don't care if every kid starts running around like they have lost their mind. You sit there and you do what your teacher told you to do. Is that clear? Yes, ma'am. I will. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we're not going to have any issues. No, ma'am. Uh-uh. Okay, well, I love you. She kissed me. Then I had, like, lipstick. So she did the mom thing. Ah, and then had to get it off with, with the saliva and the spit on the thumb and wipe it off. And then she said, and have a great day. And then she left. And I went in with the fear of God as a kindergartner. <laughs> knowing that I can't do anything that will remotely upset my teacher because my mom might find out. In a weird way, that was me honoring my mother. Even though my mother was not in the classroom, I was showing honor to her through my respect to this teacher. So my scripture for my first point, um, when we talk about a decision to serve, the, question you, the first question you need to ask yourself is, who am I serving? Who am I serving is your first question. When it comes to making decisions, where we, where I'm wrapping up the series, decisions that will change your life. First one was go, stay, connect, and now serve. This is a decision that will change your life. And so when you're talking about serving, when you're thinking about, before you even figure out what am I going to do, what am I doing, let's ask some important questions. The first question is who am I serving? And my scripture comes from Joshua 24, 15. And we've heard the scripture before. We've heard the tagline, but let me read the whole scripture for you. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River in, in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so we've heard that. We've seen that on bumper stickers. We've seen that everywhere. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's such a great, true point. But I love that, that the, the writer explained that. Guess what, guys? It's a choice. Choose this day who you will serve. So maybe I'll read a little modern text and maybe you'll get this. Now fear the Lord, serve him with faithfulness, throw away the gods of your ancestors, worship beyond the Euphrates rivers in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves whom this day who you will serve. Whether you serve the, the gods of the Democrats or the Republicans or the gods of yourself or you worship the idol at your, your children because they rule your life or maybe it's your job and that your job becomes for all your family or maybe it's the idea that 
that you need to get to a certain status in your life. You can serve all of those in the land that you're living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is a choice today. Choose you this day. What day? Today. Today. We've heard the scripture. Rejoice in the Lord. Or no, sorry. Wrong scripture. Um, This is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad. What day to rejoice? Today. Can you rejoice for yesterday? No. Can you rejoice for tomorrow? No. So it is a choice each and every day who you're going to serve. Every single day you wake up in the morning and you make a choice. And I'm sitting here burning up and I forgot why am I burning up because I have the jacket and I forgot that I am wearing my serve shirt today and it's Superman. So this S is not for Superman, it's for serve, right? S is for Thank you so much. But it's a choice today. So guys, each and every morning when you wake up, you have a decision to make. Are you going to choose to serve the Lord today? And it looks different for all of us. And sometimes it's, it's not in the great big things, it's in the little things. Are you choosing to serve? Are you choosing to honor? Serving today. I choose this day to serve. I choose to rejoice today. Because before you even talk about a decision to serve, you have to talk about the decision that's on the inside of your heart each and every day. Before you decide, well, you know, I really feel like I'm called to this and I can, I got this gifting, I have that gifting. Who are you serving? Because this is where we get into and this is what happens a lot is that we will believe that we are serving the, the church that we are attending, and it becomes about serving the church. And then the thing is, when something happens or doesn't go our way, we're like, well, deuces, I'm gone. Because we're not serving as unto the Lord, we're serving as unto church. And we're supposed to serve as unto the Lord. I didn't go in. My teacher, I had never met her. I didn't even care what she would have said. If she would have said, hey, jump up and down, do jumping jacks, I'm like, you know what mama said that I have to do jumping jacks, and I'm going to do those. It does not matter because I was doing it as unto my parents. But then also, my parents talked to me that I'm representation of God, and I'm his child. So in my mind, as a kindergarten, I was like, I don't want to let God down. I don't want to let my parents down. I also don't want to let my dad down because my dad was a pastor of a church. So the last thing it needs to be like uh, the, the hellion of a, of, a, of a minister up there doing crazy things at school. Didn't want any of that because I was doing it, though, as unto them. Are you doing it as unto the Lord? Or are you doing it as unto the church that you're in? We have to serve as unto the Lord, as me in my house. We will serve the Lord. So who are you serving? The second question is, why do I serve? Why do I serve? If we wanted to, to talk about, uh, if we want to be real specific when it comes to, to worship, worship is not just the part that we do before the message on Sunday mornings, right? We all know that. That's, I know that we are an educated body, and we know that that's not what that is. If we, if we really want to be specific, that's actually praise and an adoration, an exaltation to God, but worship, the highest, the greatest form of worship is imitation. When you are worshiping something or someone, you are imitating them. And so still growing up in, this, in my household, again, being the youngest of seven, um, the, the barbers that lived in my house were my brothers. So they cut my hair, and I had two brothers that would cut my hair. If they're watching at home, I'm sorry about to throw you under the bus, um, Ryan. And so... Um, 
And so my brother Jarvis would do, he would come with, with creative ways to cut my hair. He would just say, hey, um, can you tell me what happened in the story of the three little bears? Oh, well, there's a, and he's cutting my hair. And he's like, hey, can you see that spot up there? Tell me what that spot looks like. And as he's cutting my hair, so he got me to move. That was brother Jarvis. Brother Ryan, move this way. Turn your head. This, you can't quit moving. Quit moving. And so I was just like, I do not want to get my And I knew Ryan was getting ready to cut my hair. Again, I love you, bro. Uh, he's getting ready to cut my hair today. And I was like, I don't want to do it. So I realized I have these scissors in my desk as a little kindergartner. It can't be that bad. It can't be that hard. So I'm cutting with these safety scissors. In the back of my head in, during recess. I don't know how I, I, I snuck those out during recess. I'm like, she didn't notice. And so I'm sitting there cutting my hair. But guess what? As a kid, you're not like thinking about making it even. You're just thinking, I'm cutting my hair in the same spot over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then I'm thinking, you know what? My favorite basketball player is ball, Michael Jordan's ball. So I'll just cut all around. But again, I wasn't doing that. I was still just cutting in the same spot. So I go home and there is a bald spot barely there has hardly any hair and my brother has to cut my hair and so being the loving parents that I have they're not no you're not going to get your hair bald no we're going to cut it like we normally cut it you're just going to go to school with that bald spot in your head you can show everyone the work that you did because but in my mind I was trying to imitate Michael Jordan form of worship I got the kicks on today because these are Jordans but I was imitating, I was trying to, I would do the same, I'll go around the house, ah, tongue out, doing everything, three, two, everybody did, one, and he wins the game, like all of that, like imitating him, and that's a form of worship. But worship is, is not just, it's, a, it's an ex- external expression of an internal decision. I'm going to say that again, worship is an external expression of an internal decision. When you hear people and they are screaming during worship, they're lifting their hands and they feel like they just can't control, it's because there has been an internal decision that has happened on their hearts and on their minds that I am worshiping a God who gave everything for me. And sometimes you don't know why their praise is that way, and I can guarantee you because you don't know what they've been through. And some of us this morning, our praise is erupting because I have been through the fire. And guess what? I was not alone in the fire, that I was in the valley and there were people with me. And there's some of us this morning that we can catch a hold, we need to get a hold of that, is that we are blessed to be where we are. I know that we're talking about the time and that we're in right now as a nation. And guess what? We still can be thankful for the fact that you get a chance to go make a vote for your president. Like, it's, it's, still, it's, still not, it's still not bad as other places, guys. Like, we are blessed to be in the country that we live in. And so our expression should be, a, it should be a, an outward expression that people see because of in our hearts we have decided we are serving the Lord and I'm worshiping him. And so why do I serve? And here's the thing about it is the more I know God, the more I begin to love him. The more I begin to know Jesus, the more I begin to love him. The more I spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more I begin to love him. So then, whenever I spend time with them, and then maybe me and my beautiful bride are not on the same page about something, guess what? I don't, I don't get mad at her. I start going to them because I know them and I love them. And guess what? They are crazy about her. 
And so the advice they're going to give me about my wife is only going to be positive. It's only going to be loving. And I was like, well, Lord, she said this. He's like, yeah, but isn't she just amazing? Don't you like the way I formed and fashioned her? The way, don't you like the way she smiles at you? Yeah, she does smile and it does make me feel all giddy inside. But Lord, you know what she said? I know. But like, don't you just love the fact that you guys are, and he starts talking good things about her. And I, I promise you, if you go to your father about any other of his children, whether they are a pastor, whether they are a worship leader, or whether they are an elected official, or whether they are somebody else, your boss or whoever, if you go to your father about one of his children, I promise you he's going to give you a better perspective on that. And so I go to the father about her. Guess what? He's only going to show me how to love her, and it's authentic. It's real. So the same way that our worship must be authentic. Our serving must be authentic. No one in here says, yes, I want a fake love. You know what? I want, don't give me the real Jordans. Give me the fake ones that I'll tear apart as soon as I jump up. Don't give me the real car. Let it break down as soon as I drive it off the lot. We all want real. We all want authentic. But that real and that authentic love comes from the decision in our heart. So it must be real. It must be authentic. And so we, and so we communicate with, with the Father, and, and the, like I said, you spend time with him, and you begin to love him. And because you love him and because he, you understand how much he loves you, then it's so hard for that not to come out of you to other people. And I think where the church, Big C, has missed it is because it's hard for us to, to serve the homeless, the widow, the sick, and the brokenhearted, the hurting, and the unlovable. Because we have, this is going to be hurtful, guys. We fell out of love with God. And so we don't love the things that he loves. We don't love the same things that God loves. And so we say we are one nation under God, but God isn't in us. And we just accept, we expect him to stay above us. We're one nation under God, but God, you just stay up there. Pour out your blessings for us and just stay right there and stay out of the church. And so then church doesn't become about the expression of our love for God and to his people. It becomes about what we want our church to look like. You know what? They didn't play my song. I'm out. You know what? That pastor is not as funny. I'm out. You know what? Why they have it so dark in here? I'm out. Why it's so bright in here? I'm out. You know what? These chairs are not that comfortable. I'm out. What's going on with the floor? I'm out. Are they ever going to stop having leaks in the church? I'm out. Why is one side of the screen not working? We fixed that, though, but I'm out. And so we come up with all these reasons because it has not been about God and about what he loves. We have made it all about us. And I love the song. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it when it's all about you. Because then, ooh, can I do this, Lord Jesus? Okay, so then, so then what happens is then when people don't believe like us, we don't know how to treat them because it's about, we've made it about me. And now I don't like the fact that you are going to that church, or I don't like the fact that you believe about that, or because you vote for this person, or because you're with that person, you should be with this person. 
And the church should be the one, and I'm jumping ahead, but the church should be the one that is setting an example of how to love his children. And we should have that down because guess what? If you know the Father, you know he loves them. You know he loves them even as they're shooting the needle up their arm. You know that they love them even as they're standing out here homeless. He loves them. He loves the person that trusts more in money than anything else. He loves the person that is, that is not the same color as you. He loves the person that doesn't have anything to do with church. He loves them. But if we don't know the Father, we don't know that. We don't know that. And then people are coming in church and they're wondering why I don't feel, why, why no one is, is, why am I feeling like I'm being judged? Why am I feeling like I'm, I'm being looked at differently because I look this way or that way? Because if the Lord was here today, I don't know if he would go sit in a church. I'm pretty confident he probably wouldn't sit in a church. Because somebody would probably be offended. Oh, can you believe Jesus went to that church? <laughs> it's Jesus. Maybe he was, go- it was Jesus. But that's what happened when he was here. He healed on the Sabbath. Are you serious? You can't do that. The man was blind. But we, we've got to get back to what the father loves and then begin to love his children. Period. You will not stand before the father and he's not going to ask who you voted for. He's not going to ask what size your house was. He's not going to ask what car did you drive. Guess what? I love these shoes. He's not going to ask how many Jordans you had, Roger. He's going to say, how many of my kids did you love when I sent that person to your house? Did you love them or were you more concerned about what was going to happen on Sunday morning? But it's, tr- it's, it's all about what he loves, guys. Man, this one's going to hurt too, guys. Hope you know that if you hear anything, you may email Pastor Chris, <laughs> nccTyler.org. No, but seriously, guys, it's not any way, shape, or form condemnation. But if you feel that correction, that, that's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? As I was writing this, the Lord was like, yep, you got to work on that. I was like, so you want me to say it? He was like, yep, I'm working on the inside of you. Like, okay. If some of us would defend the scriptures and our reasons for believing them, the way we defend who we're voting for and our choices of political parties, then maybe we would have a better reputation of the church. I'm not sure if we're ready for that conversation. They asked me to say it again, so if you're listening at home, if, someone would, if some of us would defend the scriptures and our reasons for believing them, the way we defend who we're voting for, maybe the church would have a better reputation outside the four walls. Because I'm sure if we had to ask the question, why do you go to church? Some of us wouldn't know what to say. But if I ask you why are you voting Republican and why are you voting Democrat, some of us can bring out a laundry list so quick like that. Well, let me tell you about this candidate. Let me tell you about this. I, I know, like, that's why I said we are blessed to be in the country that we are in. 
So I'm not belittling the voting process. I'm not belittling that you have the, from elected officials all across, not just at the national level, but at the, the state level, at the local level. I work at a university, so we are constantly saying, hey, you know what? Research, learn, vote. We are promoting that because that is a blessing. But if someone said, Jesus wept, why? And you're like, he wept? When was that? Or he died on the cross for your sins. Do you know what that means? Why did he rise again, rose again on the third day? Why do we sing the songs that we sing? Why do you go to there and you don't have an answer for that? We've, we've got some things backwards. Because I am first and foremost, I love that... Um, the baseball player who played for the Rangers, um, got saved and had so much. Josh Hamilton was his name? Josh Hamilton. I love that when he went up to bat and his walk-up song was, All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. And it would cut off, but guess what? The crowd would keep singing, Take this world, but give me Jesus. Because this is not where I belong. Our, I, am a, I am an American citizen, tourist. <laughs> I'm an American citizen tourist. My citizenship is of a world and a place that you can't even see. I'm just visiting. I'm just here for a little bit of time. I've got things to do. I've got a calling. There's things that we have to accomplish while we're here, but we are tourists of this place called earth, and we are citizens of a place called heaven, and if you are worried about your house here more than your house there, if you're worried about what's going to happen here more than what's going to happen there, then we have got to come back and have maybe some come to Jesus meetings, and guess what? That's okay. But let's get back on, our, on the focus of, of who God is. And again, I'm still talking about serving. I'm just talking about the inside before you go out there and serve. What's going on in your thoughts and your heart about serving? And why do I serve? Serving is not an audition. Serving is not an audition. If you go to a church, or if you're at this church, and the reason you are serving is because of one day I want to be running this, or one day I want to be over this, or I can't wait till they see how much skills and abilities I have so they can promote me to this, it's wrong heart. Serving shouldn't be an audition. You shouldn't say, yes, I love cleaning the bathrooms because I want people to know. And then you scrub and clean. Hey, Pastor Chris, look at the bathrooms. Look at the bathrooms. Look how clean they are. Look how clean they are. You're, not, you're serving Chris then. Pastor Chris, you're serving him. And really, in your heart, you're serving yourself. Because you're saying that I want to serve to be noticed instead of serving to be served. Serving to serve, not be served, not get served, like Kenny said. It's serving to serve the Lord. It's not an audition. If my motive is love, I cannot fail. If I go in love, I cannot lose. If my motive, if your motive to serve is love, you will not fail. If your motive to serve is love, you cannot lose. This is how, again, in our heart and our minds, we prevent the burnout from the church. We prevent the, the offenses from coming because it's like, I'm doing this as the Lord. 
unto the Lord. My third question, I only have four questions, so we are halfway there. What does it mean to serve? What does it mean to serve? And it's going to come from John chapter 13. So John chapter 13, verse 1, I'm going to read that for you. As soon as I figure out how to do my iPad, there it is. And it'll be up on the screen if you can't get it on your iPhone or anything or app or So I'm going to read just a little. It's going to be read for a little bit, if that's okay. We can read the word in church. Is that all right? Um, verse 13 says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 4, So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. In verse 8, no, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, said, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. Okay, Jesus, you can wash my feet. Verse 9, then the Lord said, then the Lord said, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Oh, Peter, he's so over, over the top. He's so extra. Verse 10, Jesus answered, those who have, had, who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Fifteen, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Fifteen says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I will tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And there's so much to unpack in that one moment of that one chapter. And I don't have time to unpack everything that the Lord is speaking in that one place. But I want to highlight the fact that he said, if you're blessed, you will do these things. To be blessed, you, he gave us a quick formula. You'll be blessed if you do these things. What things? You mean tell me I got to go washing everybody's feet? No. Some of you are like, hallelujah, thank God. You hadn't seen my husband's feet. No. Um, but in the Bible, this is considered one of the greatest acts of servanthood. And Jesus said, you'll be blessed if you do this. What? By humbling yourself and serving one another, set the example. You want to know how to be blessed? It's right there. Humbling yourself, serving one another. Set the example. I mean, there's, if you have never taken time to just read that and look at the symbolism of everything from who Jesus was, to him kneeling, to the removing of his garments, to the water, to the washing the feet. There's so much that happened in that one instance that is just so powerful. Anybody remember the first thing they mentioned about that guy who was going to betray him? His feet got washed too. 
You washed his feet too. You washed his feet. And he knew what, what he was going to do and he still washed his feet. How many of us would wash the feet of our enemies? Let me say it like this. How many of you would bless the person that you know doesn't like you? Or that you don't like? Or that you know have made lies about you? Or you know that they've done things against you and Jesus still washed Judas' feet? And there's a meme that's been going around, a Christian meme that said Judas ate too. He washed his feet and he fed them. If that's not serving, I don't know what is. But humble yourselves. Serving one another, set the example. And I will finish with this story. So my fourth question is, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to me? You're telling me about serving, the decision to serve. Okay, got to get my heart and my mind in the right place. That's fantastic. Okay, but how does this apply to me? In John chapter 9, we see Jesus do a miracle, and it's not up there, so I just want to reference what happened. This is where he used dirt, and he made mud, and he healed someone. He took dirt. So let's say dirt's in this hand. He took spit. He combined it, and it brought healing. Produced a miracle. What are we made of? Dirt. Spit. You know your body makes spit 24-7? You are always making spit. You're making spit right now. Just spit, spit, spit. You're just making it right now. So we're dirt. We make spit. And he put it together, and that produced a miracle. And you're saying, well, Roger, that was Jesus. Okay, if you have Jesus come into your life, and he's your Savior, your Lord, and you spit, that spit contains, guess what? Jesus spit. And then you take dirt. And guess what? You are the living ingredients of what Jesus used to perform a miracle. Think about that for just a second, because we want to make it about, do I have the right qualifications? Do I have everything I need? But Jesus took dirt. He took who you are. He took spit. He took the essence of what you make, and he combined it together, and it produced a miracle. It produced a miracle. So what if serving wasn't about what you do? What if it wasn't about where you go do it, what church you go serve at? What if it was just about the fact of who you are? Because you don't know it, but you've already done that miracle before. How many of you guys have helped somebody? You've encouraged somebody. They were seeing things a different way, and you came and you ministered. You loved to them. You loved them, and now they see it clearly. They were blind and now they see or they were in a dark place and guess what? You love them and you walk with them through it. You walk with them and you helped and you supported them and now they're in a different place. You have done more miracles than you realize in your life just because of who you are. Why? Because you are dirt and they're spit and that's all Jesus needs. 
He does not need a degree. He does not need a big presentation. He does not need a stage. He doesn't need music. He doesn't need the lights to be a certain way. He just wants you. He just wants you to say, yep, me, Father, I'll go. And God is so, God is so awesome. Guess what? He'll just be bringing people to your life. Just dropping people. You're like, Father, I just really want to bless somebody. I really want to love. I really want to love. I love children. I really want to love them. And then we have constant, we have people in, in this church that constantly serve and foster kids that, that would need a helping hand. Brought them right here. Kids running around. Some of these kids running around don't even know who their father is. Their parents are not here. I want to love kids right there brought to your church. I want to love youth. Guess what, youth pastor, you can serve. I, want, I have this ability, I have that. Guess what, you can serve. This is not about us. It's about dirt spit. Somebody was healed. Somebody's life was changed forever because of dirt and spit. So your dirt got spit. Go do a miracle. Go do a miracle. It's not, it's not that hard. It's not, we've, we've made it more than what it should be. We've made it more than what it should be. You're doing miracles. If you really thought about it now, there's so many miracles sitting in this room because someone just loved you. And you've done more miracles than you even realized because you were just there for somebody. You were just an ear. You were just a shoulder to cry on. And you helped pull them out. You help them to see clearly, and now their life has changed because of you. Miracles live inside of you. You are a miracle. You can produce a miracle. Just got to go. Just got to do it. So we're living ingredients of what Jesus used to perform a miracle.